1: So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit healthlock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us for another edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sadly, for the sixth time in the last seven games, it is another silver linings edition of the Hornets Hivecast as the Hornets fell last night. 116-106 116-106 to 106 against the Indiana Pacers. But we've got a lot to talk about today. We'll, of course, give our silver linings to that loss, talk about some of the reasons behind it, and give a bit of a breakdown. We're also going to talk NBA All-Star voting, which opens up today. Assuming you're listening to the podcast on the day it's released, it will open up today. Also going to talk about the NBA's rookie ladder and the opening of the G League, including the Greensboro Swarm roster. Some of our thoughts on that. And I say our because I'm not doing this alone. I'd like to welcome back to the HHC, Wes Robinson, social media associate with the Hornets. Wes, thanks so much for the time.
1: Thank you for having me, Sam. Unfortunately, it's in a, uh, another circumstances and a loss, but hey, we're back at it on Friday.
0: Exactly. There's always another game to look forward to, but let's break down the one from last night first. A 116-106 to 106 loss, sixth time in their last seven games. The Hornets have tasted defeat. This is one that got off to a frustrating start. The Hornets kind of got buried in a 17-point hole, but battled their way back. They tied it up. They took the lead. They were playing reasonably well, but in the end just came up 10 points short against the Pacers. Your initial takeaways from this one.
1: Yeah, I think the Hornets came in with a great plan uh, to pretty much contain what the Pacers are normally comfortable with and the points in the paint with Turner and Sabonis. And they did a great job with them, but he did contribute five blocks which disrupted a lot of what Charlotte likes to do in attacking the paint and running the floor. And this is a team that really doesn't turn the ball over as much. So Charlotte, being a great def- uh, defensive team, they normally like to turn defense into offense and with a team that protects the ball particularly well. And pretty much Charlotte pretty much dared them to pretty much looked for scoring from their bench, and unfortunately, in another another situation, McDermott pretty much answered that call with 28 points off the bench. So he basically told them, hey, look, you're not going to beat us with your main guys, so pretty much we will allow McDermott to shoot those shots. And unfortunately, it went down, and they caught fire from that.
0: Yeah, Doug McDermott really did a good job making a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of drives to the hole, and, and credit the Pacers. They found the hot hand, Doug McDermott. Going for a season high 28. Damanus Sabonis had a triple double. Game that he wasn't, it wasn't clear whether he was going to play at the start. He had to test out his knee. Uh, Ends up obviously being good to go. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, a triple double for the All Star from a season ago. I agree with you that I think the Hornets, you know, they, I, I agree with the mindset that you have to protect the paint first, and for the most part, the Hornets did a good job of that. Miles Turner, a guy who has been averaging 20 points per game in the last week, was held to eight, and all of it came from perimeter shots. But still, at the end of the night, uh, the Hornets keep running into these teams that shoot well from distance. The Pacers, 40% from beyond the arc, they made three more threes than the Hornets did. And to me, the most troubling stat that I take away from not just this game, but as a whole, the Hornets are the number 1 assist team in the NBA. So they're, they're creating opportunities for them, themselves and their teammates at a very high rate. And yet of the 18 games this year, 10 times they have been out-assisted by their opponent. They're 1-9 when the opposition has more assists than them. So even on a night where, again, 28 assists, that's a pretty strong number for Charlotte. The Pacers had 34, and yes, a lot of it is finding shooters on the perimeter on those drives and kicks and those guys knocking down the opportunities. But Wes, what do you make of the assist numbers and the way they stacked up both last night and in general?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's something that Charlotte's very comfortable with, being able to control the pace of play. But I think it's uh, when Indiana jumped out to a hot uh, shooting start, pretty much going five for five between Holiday and Brogdon, they pretty much struggled with trying to also shoot the ball well from their end, trying to disrupt a lot of what they like to do on offense, you know, chasing down defenders. I mean, we're very instinctive defenders uh, on our team, but unfortunately they just couldn't really run those shooters off the line too much in the first quarter. And they found themselves pretty much, now have to try to play a new game, exhausted so much energy on the defensive end and not being able to turn the ball over for now, having to try to create offense in their half-court game where they kind of struggle with that.
0: Well, even though it came in a loss, there were certainly some silver linings. My first silver lining goes to Cody Zeller. Hornets will set things back up. Terry Rozier, bounce pass to Zeller for the rim, and the right-handed throwdown. Oh, my goodness. Cody Zeller, welcome back to the starting lineup. Ten points, 14 rebounds, one off his career high for Cody Zeller. Just an outstanding game. Really did a lot of good things. I thought he defended well out there. He is my silver lining from last night's loss. Wes, your silver lining. My silver lining is going to be Devontae Graham. And fadeaway three on the way. It is good. Rip the net cord. Devontae Graham has six. And the Hornets pitching a shutout in the opening 2-15 here against the Pacers. That shutout did not last, as it would turn out. But Wes, why is Devontae Graham your silver lining? Yeah, I mean,
1: we, we know that Devontae Graham has strong capabilities of taking over a game with his three-point shot. And in and, and the NBA, you like to see your players get comfortable and be able to find shots, high percentage shots, that they're very comfortable with from their, from growing up when they were at high school and college and in, 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 in the NBA. We know that Devontae Graham is a great shooter. He's shown that a lot last year, being one of the elite shooters, in the NBA. So, over the last five, six games, he's starting to feel much more comfortable than he did in the start of the season shooting the ball. And he even came out shooting in the, pretty well in the first quarter and making back to back triples. So, it's showing that he's really trying to get a rhythm early. It's all about muscle mem- memory and repetition. So, he actually took the time out to jump out in these games and be able to find a shooting stroke early. And just like the great Doug Curry said shooter, shoot. Or shoot. And eventually, they're going to fall down. So he just has to keep shooting the ball and building that confidence. And over the past few games, he's been shooting pretty well. And he even made history tonight, becoming the 12th player in franchise history with 300-plus career threes. And that's the fastest mark in, 100, in 127 games in franchise history. So i just like him to keep on keeping on.
0: Fastest for the Hornets, not quite the fastest in overall NBA history, but you know what? Pretty darn close to so this stat, courtesy of Mike Cristaldi, head of communications with the Hornets. He is one of five players. In NBA history, to reach 300 more threes in 130 games or less. The fastest ever is Duncan Robinson, who did it in 104 games. He is just on an amazing pace. Then the other three names are all all all-stars. Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and Damian Lillard speaks to how well Dante Graham has played over the start of his career. One last silver lining to hand out, and that's to someone who broke into the rotation potentially with last night's performance, Malik Monk. Seven points in 13-plus minutes. Had a couple of really nice assists. I thought it was his best game of the season. Looked really good out there. Here's what head coach James Borrego had to say afterwards. I thought he played well tonight. I thought he competed. You know, Maybe there's some more minutes there. I'll take a look at it, but I thought he played well tonight. We'll see if those minutes come. But those are our silver linings from last night's loss. A final score again of 116-106. to 106. The good news is the Hornets get a chance at a rematch again tomorrow. And we hope you'll join us on the broadcast for it. You, whether you're watching on Fox Sports Southeast and the Fox Sports Go app or listening in on WFNZ and the Hornets mobile app. We look forward to having you once again for more Hornets basketball. Wes Robinson, social media associate with the Hornets, my co-host today here on the Hornets Hivecast. And a big news day in the last 24 to 36 hours, Wes, because the NBA All-Star voting is officially open. And I think there's someone I have in mind from the Hornets that might get a vote. he will give it to Gordon Hayward on the logo. Hayward holding for the last shot, one-on-one with Fournier. Left-handed dribble. Into the paint, off the bump, the lay-in, it's good! Seven-tenths of a second to go, and the Hornets get all the way to the 10, and Gordon Hayward makes it a two-point lead for Charlotte. Gordon Hayward, in my opinion, is absolutely played at an all-star level and is deserving to make his second all-star team. The voting is officially open. Fans can vote through NBA.com as well as the NBA app. Throughout the voting period, which goes through February 16th, there's five days where you can double vote. You can vote for 10 unique players per day on Twitter. And, I mean, quite frankly, I think there's there's little doubt that Gordon Hayward has played at an all-star level, not just for the Eastern Conference, but for the NBA as a whole. He's top 20 in scoring. He's shooting 50% or better from the field, 40% or better from three, and he was over 90% from the line. I'll have to build that back up, but I mean, very, very few players in NBA history have been able to shoot at that kind of pace, and for a good portion of this season, that included Gordon Hayward. He's just been playing outstanding basketball. What do you think, Wes, the chances are that he makes his second All-Star team?
1: I think it's gonna be pretty tough, but I think we have a great argument with Gordon Hayward. I think he's knocking on that door again to let people know that he, he was once an all star and he's definitely worthy enough to be an all star. Unfortunately, I mean he, he wasn't able to knock on that door a couple of years ago due to a lot of situations with injuries and the rotation that that Boston pretty much was running over the past couple of years. But I think now with Charlotte he feels comfortable with this coaching staff and he's lighted it up from the field but Over 50% shooting, 43% from three-point line, and shooting above 86% from the free-throw line as well. So he's doing a great job to be able to find great shots on the floor. He's had a career high, 44 points. He also reached 10,000 career points and a small nugget. I don't know if this probably helps, but Indiana is a well-respected state for producing basketball talent. So players that also reached 10,000 career points are players such as Larry Bird, Oscar Robinson, Zach Randolph. Sean Kemp, Mike Conley, and Eric Gordon. And these are great, prominent guys who also became All-Stars in their own form in the NBA. So I think I could, we can probably add that nugget here to fight with his argument to be able to be an All-Star this year.
0: Get some more of those Hoosier State votes as well. Well, you know, as part of the rollout for the All-Star game, NBA.com published an article with potential candidates for the 2021 NBA All-Star rosters and and potentially game we'll see if one gets played it would certainly be very entertaining but safety first to definitely trust the NBA to make the right call in that regard but i know a lot of these articles are meant to give projections and generate some discussion and it's generated a lot of voices in my head about it so let's let's dive in we're going to ignore the western conference ones cuz even though they're very interesting they don't really play into whether or not Gordon Hayward should be an All-Star. So here are the starters as projected in this article. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal of the Wizards, and Jalen Brown of the Celtics. I think the last two you can make an argument, plus or minus, whether or not they should be starters or not. But whether or not they are All-Stars is, to me, not in doubt. Can we agree on that, Wes?
1: I can definitely agree on that. I mean, it's pretty much, that's a stock lineup in the in the starting position. So hopefully, Gordon could probably get in the reserve situation.
0: The reserves is where I have my beef. So you've got Jason Tatum of the Celtics, Demonis Sabonis of the Pacers, Julius Randle of the Knicks, James Harden for the Nets, who's been in the Eastern Conference for about seven minutes, but he is leading the NBA in assists and is clearly one of the elite players. So no argument there. Trey Young of the Hawks, and then their wild card selections are Zach Levine of the Bulls, Bam Adebayo of the Heat. And then, all the way down at the still-in-play you've got Chris Middleton of the Bucks, Ben Simmons of the Sixers, Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers, Kyrie Irving of the Nets, Colin Sexton of the Cavs, and then very end of the list, it's not even in alphabetical order, she, it, clearly he's just at the end of the list, is Gordon Hayward of the Hornets. I don't want to pull out the Rodney Dangerfield, we can't get no respect around here, but Gordon Hayward's not getting much respect around here, Wes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty tough in the Eastern Conference because now you're looking at so many different teams that are providing two-player All-Stars in Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, and now Brooklyn. So, I mean, it may be pretty tough, but I think we have a legitimate argument with Gordon Hayward being an All-Star this year.
0: I think in particular when you look at, say, You know, a Julius Randle from the Knicks, yes, he has had a very strong season as well, but the Knicks are not playing so much better that they merit as a team, an all star over the Hornets. Similar case for the Hawks. Trey Young, yes, he's been an outstanding player, but I think there's a similar argument to be made. And Zach Levine is another one. Bam Adebayo is another one. The Heat, a great collective team. Has Bam really been outplaying? Gordon Hayward? I think that's the question. Because of course, if, if we're going to say Gordon Hayward has clearly played at an all-star level, someone has to come off the list. But again, the fans will have their say. We encourage you to vote, especially if you're a fan in the Queen City. The other list that came out in the last 36 hours that we want to get into is the NBA's Kia Rookie Ladder. And the first one of the year had LaMelo Ball on the top rung as the favorite to win rookie of the year the latest one came out and it has LaMelo at number 2 it has James Wiseman of the Golden State Warriors at number 1 again i think there's a little lack of respect i understand that LaMelo's stats have dipped slightly since the last ladder was put out he's averaging overall 11.6 rebounds 5 almost 6 assists on the season you look at the person they put at the top James Weissman, a center, 12 points, 6 rebounds, no assists. So, LaMelo, a point guard, has more rebounds per game than the, what was at one point the starting center for the Golden State Warriors, is very close within a point in points, and is clearly the better assist guy. I don't know why this is even close.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think LaMelo's playing a tough position at, uh, at the point guard position. He's playing behind Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, and he's he's asked to pretty much control the the offense with the second unit. He's done a great job with that, averaging close to 12 points a game, six rebounds. You, you mentioned about him out-rebounding Weissman and, and six assists. And we can also note that he's not a starter. He's a guy coming off the bench playing in limited minutes to be able to contribute this much on the offensive end. And he's and he's also been great on the defensive end as well. He had two steals a game, kind of dropped down to around 1.6, but pretty much uh, an instinctive guard that pretty much can sit and, you know, ball hawk uh, balls, and he never gives up on plays. He's always chasing now defenders to be able to contribute to get a steal and he came out of with a very hot start in his first 10 games contributing uh, at least 125 points 60 rebounds 55 assists and he became the seventh player to do so and he's also had that triple double becoming the youngest player to do so since a a guy like lebron james his brother alonzo ball markel fultz and Luka Doncic. and he's also the fourth youngest player in nba history with at least 25 and five Behind LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, and Kevin Durant. Now I'm not into the comparison game too much, but I think those guys are doing pretty well for themselves uh, with a hot start in their, in their career like that. So I think we'll see in the long run that Lamelo Ball will also have that same success.
0: I I would hope so. I just feel for the for the here and now, I think the latter positioning is a bit off. If you're going to give Wiseman credit for averaging exactly one more point per game, and ignore the fact that. His rebounds are lesser than LaMelo's. His assists are not even close to LaMelo's. And whereas LaMelo has been in a reserve role all season, Wiseman went from the starting lineup to reserves. To to bump him up, I think, is a little bit off. If you're going to say just in the last period of time between the first ladder being released to this one, you want to put someone ahead of LaMelo because he's he's played... He, let's be honest. Let's be fair. He, he has not put up the same yeah. average as he did at the first period that they were considering, I would say you should put Cole Anthony ahead then, because Cole Anthony has jumped into a starting role for Orlando and has played very well. He had a game-winner. He averages 13 points per game in that span. He's close, not quite as many, but close in rebounds and more, at least in the ballpark, in assists. But again, it's a season-long award, and I think overall for the season stats, in my humble opinion, LaMelo Ball is currently at the top of the leaderboard. Then again, some on the outside might argue that I'm biased, but... That's my argument. It's it's our podcast. I can say it as I as I see it. So there you have yeah. it. If you want to chime in, we encourage you to do so. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, any of the Hornet social media sites. You can find me at Sam Farber Live, and we encourage you to continue to read all the great content. It really is great content. You know, it's it's meant in a certain regard to stir the pot, to stir conversation, and clearly it did. So good job, NBA, continuing to do the job. All that great content is available to you in a variety of sources, but if you want it streamlined to one centralized spot, I encourage you to download the Hornets app onto your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experiences for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations available only through the Hornets app. Steel. Terry Rozier picking off the pass intended for Siakam. Shovels it off to Graham. Transition three on the way is good. Devontae Graham back to back threes. He's nailed four on the day. And the Hornets have made it a one possession game now with 2.05 left in the half. Devontae Graham, one of the great success stories of the NBA G League, a second round selection who is now a starting point guard and one of the fastest players to 300 career threes in the history of the NBA, and he got his start with the Greensboro Swarm, which are getting set to start up their G League season in the bubble in Orlando on February 11th. Sam Farber here on the HHC. We've got Wes Robinson, social media associate with the Hornets. And Wes, I want to talk about the recently released G League roster, some of the highlights You've got Nate Darling and Grant Riller, the two two-way players, two-way contract players for the Hornets. They'll essentially get their first professional run down in the bubble. There was potentially a question as to whether the second-round picks would both go, considering you know it limits the depth for the Hornets in the big club. But I suppose if you needed someone, you could bring them back up. And the most important thing is their long-term development, which will certainly be aided by going to the bubble. So this is for sure, in my opinion, the right call. Nick Richards and Vernon Carey going, and Jalen McDaniels also going into the bubble. Someone who was part of the rotation at certain points in the early portion of the season, but he has a bright future ahead of him, and I'm excited to see what he can do with the G League team. Wes, your thoughts on the G League roster?
1: Yeah, I'm excited as well. First, all, I want to give a congratulations to Jay Hernandez. Definitely, this is a great experience for him as well. He's great on development, and I think one guy that I'm looking for that who's going to get the most benefit out of this is Jalen McDaniels. Like you mentioned, he's had experience is last season and this season as well to see to taste the NBA level to know exactly what are some things that he wants to work on in his game, where he feel like he's strong at, what are some things that he feel like he can get better at, and contribute to the team. And I know a lot of people will sometimes look at the the G League as, well, maybe this guy's not playing well, or maybe this is like a punishment league. But it's more, so nobody has benefited more from this, from this experience than the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, you see a lot of guys who pretty much spent time down in the G League and were able to come back up. I think this is going to do great for Jalen's confidence booster to not just pretty much just bury at the bench, but now he can pretty much work on his game, man, and get ready so that he can always stay ready. And I'm also looking forward to see players such as Vernon Carey I know he's very anxious to be able to get back on the court and start playing. He hasn't seen much minutes with the Hornets, but I think this is going to give him great exposure of what the NBA level is like. And I'm also excited for uh, guys as Nate Darling and Grant Riller. Like I mentioned, Jay Hernandez in the development stance, he's he's worked with some of the best guards since he's gotten Charlotte and worked on their development level, uh, formerly Kimball Walker, and also Devontae Graham as well. Uh, he went from just averaging four points in his first year and then, Guy rocking into 18 points last year and I think that's a lot of credit of what the development has done and the experiences that he had in Greensboro to translate over to the NBA.
0: Yeah all very true another player I'm excited to see is Admiral Schofield the number one pick from the G League draft that uh, Greensboro picked up a guy who had a lot of star qualities at Tennessee interested to see what he can do in the bubble also curious for your thoughts on this because normally the g league i've worked in it for a number of years i also worked in minor league baseball so i like to you know make some comparisons and i think the g league in basketball is a nice combination of rookie league baseball and triple-a baseball it's rookie league baseball because for a lot of players it's their first taste of the professional game which is very much different from the college game. So it takes some acclamation, and it's an opportunity for players to, you know, see how they fit into that game and for organizations to see how they can handle the professional game. It's also like AAA baseball in the sense that for some players, wins and losses on an individual uh, on the overall season are less important as being ready to contribute immediately to the big club so you know you're you're not going through the motions but you're staying in playing shape you're getting in your shots you're getting in your run so that when you're called upon to go up to the big club you're immediately ready to step in this year is different because going into the bubble i would say it's more like a double a minor league baseball team can you see i was a minor league baseball broadcast you got that 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 run, <laughs> <I definitely laughs> the, the gist of that in double a yeah. most of the time the baseball team the parent club will say look you're not coming to the majors this year. You're not a rookie anymore. Your job is to go to A and win a championship. And I think with the bubble format, it's a lot more like that. You're not likely to call up any of these players unless it's an emergency. For several of them, like Jalen McDaniels, this is not their first rodeo. This is not their first time being pros. But it's a chance to say, hey, you're, you're going down there. You're part of this team for this period of time. You've got these 15 games. Go win a title. I think it, it, it's a a very different dynamic for the way this team is organized. Wes, what do you think about that?
1: Absolutely. And I think a player like Schofield and Jalen McDaniels, like you said, experience for them to say, like, look, you're not ready to be at the NBA level just yet, but it's going to do wonders for their experience. And in Greensboro to be able to find the certain type of shots that they like to take. What, is it, what does it take to, to fight back in the game? You know, and I, I know you said necessarily it doesn't matter about wins and losses, but it's also also a great teacher for them to be able to experience the NBA level and how to be a pro to pretty much uh, play back-to-backs and what it's like to take care of your body and uh, nutrition advice and and being able to come in night in and night out to see different guys who are also great in their own respective leagues to be able to play at a pro level. So I think it's just going to do great, and I think they're in great hands with a guy like Jake Hernandez.
0: No doubt about that, and I would agree with you that no organization really has benefited more from their G League experience and made better use of it than the Hornets. When you just look at this roster that is active now, Martin Brothers both played with Greensboro. Devontae Graham, the best story of all, going from Greensboro to not just the starter, but the starting point guard on a team that's got playoff aspirations and is one of the fastest players in NBA history to 300 career threes. It's a credit to the development program of the Hornets and that G League system. And uh, and again, I just think this is a, a unique year. Going into the bubble, I think there's just a slightly different mindset. I mean, once you're on the floor and you're in the game, yes, your, your, your competitive instincts are going to kick in, you want to win, but just going into the bubble, being separate I think it just it presents a different type of dynamic and, and we're certainly going to be watching and rooting for the Swarm to develop these players so that they can contribute this year and into the future for the Hornets organization, but also we'll be rooting for for a championship. Go go get that ring. Go get that ship there for the Swarm. Champion in my book already, Wes Robinson, social media associate with the Hornets. Wes, thank you so much for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate having these conversations. And go Hornets, and let's get back at it on Friday.
0: That's right. We will have another game tomorrow, and we will have another podcast out previewing the matchup with the Pacers, and we'll see if I'm still griping about the All-Star ballot and or the rookie ladder. I might be. I might bring in someone else to the conversation. You can find out by downloading the podcast tomorrow. Until then, for Wes Robinson and everyone with the Hornets, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you again next time right here on the Hornets Podcast.